So through the, the month of December here, uh, I, I, I'm excited. Pastor Stephen made me ask, uh, ask me that I would do the, the messages through the month of December. I am extremely excited about it. Uh, I am, I'm looking forward to it. I really, because, mostly not because I get like some kind of excitement like, oh, I get to, I get to preach. I mean, that's, that's fun. That's good. It's always excited to get used by God. But I really do feel in my heart that there's some things that God has given to me to share with you that are really, they're timely. Um, you know that God's word is powerful. And there's elements of God's word that we can either get on board with or we can kind of just push off to the side, yeah, 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 that's it. And sometimes God gives you certain time frames to work with him. I, I, I'll share with you this. Back whenever, way back whenever we were in the school, uh, God, during a message, God spoke really strongly to my heart in the middle of a message to, to specifically call out one particular kind of a, a lifestyle. And, and all it was was just not, not giving your heart over to God entirely. And with that, God really said, I want you to say, I've given you two years to do this and you have not, I'll give you another six months, and that's it. And I knew exactly who it was for in the church, and I, I said that afterwards, and of course, you know, you're thinking, like, well, God, should I, seems like a pretty important thing, should I go tell them, like, and I just felt like, no, 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 you do not, you say it in the sermon, that's where you say it. And I did. And the regrettable thing is, is that person did not do anything with their life, and sure enough, at about six months later, they left the church, and they no longer go to church anywhere. Sometimes for us, guys, it's really key that if we jump in on what God is trying to communicate to us at the right time, there's a big blessing for us in our lives. But also, if we wait long enough, we can miss it. And then to get back to that point is a long road that none of us, you don't, want to, you don't want to go on. But man, God is so merciful. He is so gracious. He is so good to us. And no matter where you're at today, here at CLC, online, wherever you're at, wherever you're hearing this, I want you to know that God loves you. And his grace is in your life for your life to be better than what it is right now better than what you've imagined, better than the things that you're, you've thought of. God can improve it. And that's what we want to talk about today, is grace. And you know, as, I, as you think about it, you think, well, what, is, what does grace mean? I mean, like, you think of, like, the word graceful, and, you know, I, I personally think, like, figure skater or some gymnast that's just graceful in what they're doing, but what I want to do is I want to bring it into some more practical senses of things, of what is grace in our lives? How does grace work in our lives? What does it do for us? And how widely available is it? And before we get into that, I want to kind of put, put out four situations. So I think, I think sometimes we find ourselves in four different kinds of situations in life. One situation is where we absolutely know we got things under control, right? And some of, maybe you're like, yeah, that happened like twice in my life, right? No, but you know you have it under control. And to give you, to, to, to share a story with you, um, I used to play inline hockey, and I, I, I joined this one particular team, and there's this one guy named Kevin that played on this team. 
And Kevin, in, whenever he had, was growing up, played on all kinds of traveling leagues, national teams, everything. The guy was, the guy was good. So this was like my third, third game with him, right? So it comes down to the third period where the, the score is tied, and our team has taken two penalties with two different guys at this point. Um, if I remember correctly, the, the, the human beings that, were, that I played hockey with at that point in time, I guarantee the penalties were probably pretty dumb ones that they took. But either way, so it was two on four. So it was myself and Kevin, and if you, played, if you understand hockey, being down two guys is... That's, that's no bueno. So I'm trying to talk to Kevin, okay, what do we do? And I haven't really played with him. He just said, just win the puck to me, I'll take care of it. Uh, okay, all right, sure. So we have the face off. I do my best because, like, I'm feeling really outclassed. I do my best. I went back to him. And Kevin takes this, circles around the rink, and I, I'm not kidding you, just totally undresses all four of their other skaters comes around the goal, makes them follow him through the goal, comes around and just puts it in for a shorthanded goal. There was never not a moment that he wasn't in absolute total control of that situation. (laughs) And I I was just like, okay, he was right. I just, just give him the puck. That's all I had to do. I mean, it was was amazing. And then as I played with him, I found out anytime we were shorthanded, it was like, the guy was like magic. Shorthanded. He always scored a goal shorthanded. So, Kevin was a guy, whenever we were shorthanded, the guy had it under control. Whenever he said, I got it under control, he had it under control entirely. It was impressive to me. I'm just there trying to just make sure I can skate backwards correctly, right? <laughs> you, you know, actually, as I'm saying that, Jason Hartman, I remember whenever we played, uh, the last time I played with you, you had a similar situation where Puck came to you off of a face-off and you just totally went through all four guys and put it in all by yourself. <laughs> you had it under control. There, but I, if we're honest, though, there's a lot of situations whenever life deals us a whole dynamic level of different circumstances where it's tough to actually say, no, I got it under control. I've, I've found myself there very few times. But, you know, you have other situations where something happens, you need help, it's, you could solve it yourself in one way or another, but, boy, Help would really be appreciated, right? And for some of us, that's a hard thing to sometimes admit, I need help with this, right? Man, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Tell the kids, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. It's like I should look in a mirror sometimes. Ben, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. No, but here's the situation. This is back, uh, I used to sell coffee, and the car that I was driving at the time it was, it was coming to its, to its end. I love that vehicle. Uh, my, my, my old Ford Escort. I love that thing. The, the, at one point, the speedometer didn't work. The fuel gauge didn't work. The horn didn't work. <laughs> but it passed inspection. Um, sometimes. <laughs> Depends on who I took it to. No, no, no. But I had gotten really good at being able to judge what my speed was and the gas. I knew exactly how many miles I could get. So, but unfortunately, I hit this one particular case where I misjudged the miles or something, and I ran out of gas, and I was on my way to a sales appointment. So obviously, there's a little bit of panic setting in. I have a very short window of time of trying to get, to, to get this situation fixed. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, where's the nearest gas station? 
it's a pretty far walk. I'm thinking, okay, who can I call? I need, I, I got to call someone. I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting in my list of like, who, who, who can I call that's maybe even working for the company that's in the area that can help me out with this? And of course, you're asking like, God, like, God, if anything, please help me. So, and I, 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 this is exactly what happened. I am on a hill, cars off to the side, four ways on. The four ways worked. <laughs> this guy comes over and pulls over and just opens the door and says, hey, you out of gas? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, hop in, I'll take you to the gas station. Just like out of the blue, right? So I'm like, uh, okay. Now, I, 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 I did have the wisdom that I had a can in my my trunk, so I took my can. I get into the car, and he's like, yeah, I saw you pulled over there. I just figured maybe you were out of gas. I'd just come and take you to get you to the gas station. Man, I've been there myself. I'm like, oh, thank you. And I'm talking to this guy, and we, we go. We get the gas. He drives me back to the car. He's like, all right, well, man, I hope you make your appointment. I, have a good day. And he just drives off. And I, I tell you what, to this day, I wish I would have taken a picture of the guy's plate because thank you, angel, for coming to, <laughs> to bail me out of it. But I needed help, and that guy came and gave me exactly the help that I needed. Situation taken care of. Could I have called someone? Maybe I could have. I would have had to sit there and wait. I couldn't. You know what? The help was nice. Then we have situations that we come into life, and these are the situations where we have that moment of revelation that you are totally and completely unable to change, solve, or affect the situation that you are in, in any which way or form. Now, these situations that you come into, typically, if you're like me, they're the ones that you think, oh yeah, I, I might be able to handle this. And then once you kind of get knee deep, you're like, oh man, I, I, I'm knee deep because my head is under the water and the water is up to my knees upside down. So I had a situation, this is back whenever I was in Bible college of all things, right? So I am, I'm, school's done and I'm going to work, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good day, you know, and I'm just, I'm ready to cruise off to, to the job, you know, and I get in my car and I'm, I turn up before the escort, before all this, whenever it was really in its prime. I, I, I get in the car and I'm driving and I'm, I'm turning the music up, man, I'm just, I'm loving life, I'm, I'm tearing through it, you know, and and I, I'm not paying attention, I'm just trying to get to work, you know, music blaring, and I, I, I go through, through an intersection, and then I'm, I'm cruising on this back road, and I don't even realize it. All of a sudden, my music is so loud, my music's so loud, I don't hear the state trooper siren behind me. So I look in the mirror, in like that moment, I'm just like, absolute shock, and it, like, it comes, comes to my mind, I look at my speedometer, I'm doing 70 in a 35, <laughs> right? So... In panic, I see him in the mirror just go like this over like that in my rearview mirror. And, man, I, look, not the right reaction. I don't know what I did to this day, why I did it. I threw him a peace sign like this <laughs> and then put on my four ways to go over, okay? So, probably not. <laughs> Anyways. So I pull over, and here I am. I, he's coming out, to, coming out to meet me, and I'm thinking, I'm a Bible student. Great. Here I am. I, I, I'm, I'm doubled the speed limit, and I'm like, I could lose my license over this, right? So he comes up to me, and he goes, he goes what do you think you're doing? 
Why didn't you pull over? What's with all this peace sign stuff? And Trooper Jack was not happy at all, right? And so I had my license and registration. I just go, I am so sorry, sir. I am so sorry. And he just takes it. He looks at it, and he goes, get out of your car and get in mine. I am clearly unable to do, I am, I am 100% at the whim of Trooper Jack, right? There is absolutely nothing that I can do. So I get into his car, and he, and apparently my, I, I, right turn on red, right guys? Well, right turn on red means you stop at red, not just totally go through the intersection. So I, I had just gone through the intersection, and he said, he goes, what are you doing running a red light and going 70 into 35? What is your problem? And I just say, sir, I am sorry. I am, I am absolutely sorry. I, I, I have no excuse for it whatsoever. And, and, he just, and he's, he's looking at running my information, and he just goes, uh, he goes, uh, honestly, are you late? For, what is your, what, what's the deal? And I go, I don't, I don't have an excuse. And I just, and I said, I'm asking you for mercy, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, there's nothing left <laughs> other than, and I'm sitting in his car at this point, right? In the front seat with him. And he goes, I'll show you mercy. He goes, I'll give you a pass on the, on the speeding, but I'm writing you up for the red light. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so as he's starting to look at the inf- my information, he gets a call on his radio. And I don't know what it, all it, it is. They're giving something. All they mention is that there's some kind of an accident with injuries. I don't know all the other things. And, and, and he responds back to the, the dispatcher with it with you know, I, I, I don't know. I, sorry, guys. I don't remember what he said. I, it, was a tough, it was a tough moment in my life. <laughs> he responds back, and then he just shakes his head, and he just, he mutters. He goes, well, I, I don't why, why are they asking me? So he gets back in, and he, he says something about his location, where he's at. The dispatcher just says, you're the only one available. You need to be there. And so he rolls his eyes, and he just... He, hands me back my license and registration and my insurance, and he says, I don't know why they're calling me to this. I have to go. Look, you know what a red light is. You know how to follow the speed limit. Do it and get out of my car. <laughs> now, whenever I got out of the car, and I, I am not exaggerating with this. I, the, I, I don't think that, I, like, the inertia of me moving out of the vehicle wasn't even complete by the time he was already dropped into drive with the siren and the lights on. I, I mean, I'm honest. I think the momentum of his car moving along with my hand moving closed the door for him as he sped off. And, I mean, like, if it was a gravel road, he would have sprayed me with the gravel as he left. There was a situation where I was totally completely unable to do a single thing to change my fate. I was 100% at the mercy of Trooper Jack. And I listened to Trooper Jack. <laughs> I, 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 I amended my ways. Because that was like a moment where like I didn't even know what to think afterwards. Anyone else have any, encounter some of those moments where you realize, whoa, I'm over my head. But you know what? I think the most dangerous situations that we come into are the ones that we think we're in control and we think we have some element that we can get help whenever we need it. But we don't realize 
how helpless we are. And we keep doing the same thing over and over and over, thinking that that's helping us solve the situation, that that's solving the problem. And we aren't. We're continuing the problem. And as we do this, we begin to adjust our emotions so that we can more better accept that problem, that thing, that bad habit, that sin, that disappointment in our life. We shift our emotions to start to think about it differently. Or maybe it's a situation where your emotions are actually the one that gain you control over you. You find that anger, rage, frustration is really what controls you whenever you think you have a situation under control, everything is going good, and then it's just that one little thing that all of a sudden changes everything that you thought you had control over. Now, you're the one that's out of control. But I think we come up with these things in our lives a lot, and I think some, even Christians, I think we, we sometimes allow ourselves to just live with it. Attitudes that we know we should change, we know they're not the best, we know that it's a problem, but you know what? It's not my biggest problem. And so we let it, and continue, let it continue to exist. Thoughts that we have in our head. There are certain topics of conversation that you hope never get brought up. There's thoughts that we think in our head that none of us would want to be open enough to share that we actually have these thoughts with other people. Unless you're on Facebook and somehow you can put those thoughts out there and like people, I, I don't understand that. I, I don't understand that. But what we do with these problems in our life, because I think as Christians we know that God has good things for us, but sometimes we come into these places where it's like, well, God, I'm not getting these good things. I can't find these good things. I can't find this peace that I read about in the Bible that I see other people with. I can't get this healing that I see other people with. I can't find this, the, the power, the confidence. I can't even hear from you. I, re, I try to read my Bible, it makes no sense. I try to pray from you, I don't hear from you. And what we end up doing is we set ourselves in this cycle where we're caught in this whirlwind, and that has just become our life. And so within that whirlwind, we're being twisted about just trying to grasp for these little elements of control and reason. How do I make sense of this? How do I bring this into something that I, that I know that I can understand, that I can just deal with it? What is, just get me to a place, and sometimes our prayer to God is, God, just get me to a place that I can exist. Or maybe we don't even pray that because we have such low confidence that our prayers are going to change anything. Or maybe we start to mask the problems with something else. We try to be, perf we're perfectionists. We try to make, maybe it's not in everything, it's just certain things. As long as I have these things right here all set in an order and I have that completely under control, my entire life is okay. Meanwhile, it's like you have three glasses of water that are full and the entire building is on fire, right? I, I mean, I, I, I've been there. I've lived there, <laughs> right? Have anyone else? I mean, really, I, mean, I hope I'm speaking to someone here. But you know what, sometimes it gets deeper and maybe it's stuff where we dabble and we deal with depression in our life. Our response to things we can't control, the situations that we don't like, it's fear, it's anxiety, dark thoughts. And we go through our life 
And these are things that we have tried to change and they didn't work. We've looked for something different and we've never found it. We've asked for God's help, but we never feel like we really get what we need. You know what? And I need to clarify, this isn't just sin in our life. I mean, I think, I, I think it's easy just to identify and say, yeah, if, if, you, if there's a sinful habit in your life, that's easy, to, that's easy to recognize I shouldn't be doing this. And maybe it's sin in your life that has become so habitual that you feel like you can't break free from it. Whenever certain triggers happen, you know you're going to fall in that area. You've tried to change it, but no matter what you do, you keep coming back, and it's the same thing over and over and over. You might be like, okay, Pastor Ben, I got it. There's, our lives have things in it that we need to change. And there are, all of us. But I mean, I, I have to be honest, God challenged me massively throughout this message even putting it together. I, I am up here and I, I do not in any way, shape, or form say that I have it together. I, I have mastered all this. No. And in fact, during this message, there was a lot of challenges that God put to my own heart of, Ben, you need to do this too. But man, God is so good and I love him so much because that's, I love it whenever he speaks to me, even in correction. Because I know that if I receive that correction and I change he will give me what I need. You say, we're in this state. What's the solution? What do we do? What do we, how, do I, how do I get something different than what I have already? How do I solve these problems that have been in existence in my life for years? These pains, these, these ways that I've lived, I, I don't want it. How do I change it? What do I do with it? God gave us something called Grace. And in his infinite wisdom, God said that he wanted grace to operate through us because he loves us. And whenever Jesus Christ died for us, something was opened up spiritually to all of us. We all were able to become recipients of grace. The challenge for us, though, is recognizing, whoops, sorry, table, is recognizing that not only can, do we have access to it, but we're the ones that need to use it. Right. It isn't like God is our fairy godmother that just comes away, oh, here's some grace for you. <laughs> it's not like that. If anything, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a, a battle. Right. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it, the violent take it by force. So what does that mean? It means people that want God will get God, and they will do what they need to get to God. Amen. And I think sometimes we need to take that approach on some of the things in our life is, well, God, I prayed about it, and nothing happened. And, and God's like, yeah, we, if we want something to happen here, we got some major surgery to do. Well, God, you know, hey, I can deal with it. No, 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 that's not what God wants. God doesn't want you to live dealing with it. So let's look at one thing. I'm going to look at a, a scripture here in Ephesians because before we even get into figuring out what exactly is grace then, I, I, I want to make sure that we understand that it's, it's, it's available to us, right? And I love this scripture in Ephesians 2, 6 through 8. It 
It's on the, on the screen. You can follow along. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. First of all, he's trying to say, look, your position on this earth, you exist on this earth, but spiritually, you have transcended to the same position with Jesus Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Everyone say, I have grace. Through Jesus, Christ. through Jesus Christ. We have grace through Jesus Christ. Now, so this is, this is a good one to know. If I have asked Jesus Christ to save me, I've asked him to forgive me, and I am relying on him for my eternal salvation, I can check the box. You, you type A's. I can check the box that I got it. It's available to me. And if you're OCD, you can check it off, carve it into your leg if you Whatever you need to do, know that you got grace available to you. So if you have grace available to you, then what is it? Because I think, I think a lot of times people will say, well, grace is God's unmerited favor. And that's not wrong. It absolutely is. Or the, the, the phrase that I've also heard is, well, you know, mercy is not getting what you deserve, getting what you deserve and grace is getting better than what you deserve. Not wrong also. Also not wrong. Absolutely. But I want us to think of grace in a different way. I want you to think of grace as God's ability and his divine influence. God's ability and his divine influence. And the Bible says he's poured his divine, his, his divine ability and his divine influence into our lives. That's what's available to you. We're going to do something. I want you to take, we're going to take 15 seconds. What I want you to do, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, do, we'll get to that part in one second. Imagine what it would be like whenever you approached a problem in your life. If you didn't think of it that you were just dealing with your tool set, your personality traits, but you are dealing with the full tool set of Jesus Christ. Or maybe even asking the question, how would Jesus Christ handle this situation? What would he do? Well, he has access to a whole lot more than I would think I would. Well, I have access to that through him. Right. Take a look at some examples. I want to give you some examples of grace working in people's lives within the Bible. In Genesis, uh, in Genesis it says that Noah found grace from God. Now think of Noah's life. God, whenever that grace was on him, God gave him the plans to create an ark, something that at that point would have been a, a, an absolute achievement of anything that had been created and built by any man at that point in time. He gave him dominion over animals that I, I think to this day was only going to be rivaled by Adam. I mean, what, you think that, you think that all the... Consider the entire population. I've seen my cat and dog in the same room for too long, right? None of them going on to the ark gave Noah a problem. That's something beyond your skill and ability. Here's the other one. 
By grace, Noah was able to save his family. And let that sink in. He saved his family by the grace given to him. And he survived a world, world-ending event by God's grace. That's what God's grace did in Noah's life. Let's look at Joseph, coat of many colors guy, right? Joseph was given some spectacular visions of the future of his own life by the grace of God, God's ability, God's influence in his life. But then, hold on, Joseph gets betrayed by his family, by his brothers, then by the people that he was made to be a slave by. He gets thrown in prison and then betrayed again in prison. But what, what happens to Joseph eventually? Comes out of it, he's given the ability to interpret dreams and then given a place in Egypt that was second to only one, the, the Pharaoh. He had absolute control to do whatever he wanted. Pharaoh basically said that. So look, other than, other than me, you could go do what, you can't tell me what to do, but you could tell anybody else what, what they should do. God's grace did that for Joseph, and Joseph saved his family. He became the epicenter for the children of Israel moving forward by God's grace in his life. Guys, that's not any different than the grace that's available to you. It's not like Joseph, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, he got that, and, you know, that's just Joseph. No. Joseph didn't even have Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're in the Son of God. We are in him. Whew, I have a bigger toolkit than Joseph Amen. available to me. How about this? Let's look at, let's go look at a different angle. What about, what about David? A forgotten son. I mean, whenever, whenever his dad lined up all the kids to be, be, uh, be anointed, be, look, hey, these are my boys to be chosen for king. What do they have to do? Isn't there another one here? Are we missing one? Jesse. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the guy, guy out the, what's, it, what's his face? Out, out in the field being a shepherd. So there's David that goes from being forgotten son to a shepherd to a conqueror to a king but then fell into lust. He stole, committed adultery, and murdered. And yet God forgave him, and in the end said, he was a man after my own heart. You think, what? If you read the Psalms, you see how David would come back to center on himself. I'm telling you, if you struggle with dark thoughts, you start, struggle with depression, Psalms is the place you need to read. I'm no, I'm no clinical psychiatrist, but I will, I will venture a guess to say that David dealt with depression in his life. If I read those Psalms, absolutely. But he centered himself. He asked God for forgiveness, and God granted him for forgiveness for all of those things. That's God's grace. And you have the same thing available to you. No matter what you've done, it's not like it's level setting you to a certain way of living that you can't get out of. How about Sarah, Abraham and Sarah? 
there's a, there's, there's a lady that was told that you're going to have a son. Not only did she doubt God, she laughed at him. <laughs> I mean, that's like one of my favorite interactions in the Bible. That Sarah said, he says, uh, said, uh, he, he's, Sarah's asked, why did you laugh? And she says, I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, you did. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, oh, like that's kind of the end of the argument. Like, yeah, I get, I get, you got me. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. But for Sarah... It wasn't just a a physical miracle that she had in her body that she gave birth whenever she was, I mean, in her 90s. That's a physical miracle. But then it also was a fulfillment for her that she was no longer looked down upon for being barren. That grace not only supplied a physical miracle, and I know the Bible doesn't go into a whole lot about it, but I bet whenever one day you can talk to Sarah I bet she will be able to describe joy to you in a way that will surprise you to have a son whenever she had none. And then for that son to go on and be the entire lineage up to Jesus Christ. One last one. Talking about how grace has worked in people's lives. Let's look at Peter. One of the 12, right? denies Jesus Christ right before his death. After seeing three and a half solid years of unbelievable, undeniable miracles, denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, to complete strangers. But then yet is restored, becomes the pillar of the church, and God moves through him so powerfully that his shadow as it crossed people healed them. That's grace. That's God's ability working in a life. That's God's influence working in a life in a way that you could never achieve on your own. So there you go. Noah, Joseph, David, Sarah, and Peter. God's grace working in their life. God's ability working in their life. God's influence changing situations Not just the situations, but think of David. I think there was a change in the individual as well. So what I want you, I just, I want to encourage you. Think of where you're at in your life. Maybe it's habitual sin. Maybe it's a problem that you have. Maybe it's an attitude. Thoughts that you have. Things that you struggle with. Problems that continually come up and face you. I want you to take just a moment, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about those things. And I want you to think, how would they be different if you were operating entirely in God's ability to deal with them? What would change? What would sound different? What would look different? What part of your body would be healed? What broken parts of your heart would you no longer think of and feel that pit in your stomach whenever you do? Think of what if Jesus Christ himself was dealing with these things? How would it be different? open your eyes.
if you've thought of that and you thought, wow, there would be some differences if he was, you've taken the first step to moving yourself into faith to allow Jesus Christ and his grace to move in your heart, to move in your life, to allow his ability to start to change. Why? Because it probably gave you hope. Wow, it could be different. And that's what he wants us to focus on. So if I know grace is available to me and I know that I need it, what do I do? How do I get it? Again, just to reiterate, in Romans 5, 14 through 15, it's a great overview of what we have to us. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam till Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the violation committed by Adam, who was the type of him, Jesus, who was to come. But the gracious gift is not like the offense. God wants you to understand the way that he works in your life is not the way that your carnal mind thinks. It's not the way that you always will expect. And it's more powerful than the sin that you may feel bound to in your life. For if by the offense, the one, the offense of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Everyone say, I have God's grace overflowing on me. Just as much as you think, man, I've done a lot of wrong in my life, Paul's trying to say, as much as you think you've done wrong, God has that much more grace to cover it all and change your life. With salvation, one of the key parts of salvation is understanding that I am unable to save myself. I need a savior. And there's an element of humility with that, to ask God, God, I can't, I, I can't, eternally save myself. I need you to. Jesus, be my savior. That beginning act of humility is the first steps that will take you to where you need to be in your life with grace. And in 1 Peter, it kind of, it really confirms this. In 1 Peter, it says, you, younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives what? To the humble. It's one thing to recognize that you have things in your life that need fixed. And I'm talking about not just the stuff that you, you share with your friends that you know your problems, but it's also the stuff that you don't want to talk to other people about, that you know that are deep-seated in your heart. Things that you know that are hurts that... You haven't figured out a way to fix. It's one thing to admit that you have a problem. But then it's another thing to actually yield yourself over and to say, God, I am powerless to change this without you. One thing I've recognized in my life that a lot of times whenever I ask for help, oftentimes it comes with a set of instructions behind it. And I think for us in our life, there is the need to recognize that if I really want to be humble with Jesus Christ, I have to be ready that he is going to ask me to change things in my life that I have not wanted to change for a long time. 
He's going to ask me to change thought patterns that I have pretty firmly cemented in the place at this point. He's going to ask me to change things that maybe I've said, God, I can't change it. I've tried it. But have you tried it with his divine influence in his ability? Or have you done it with your own strength? Now, this is where it's going to get wonky, is it dovetails. His grace and his ability won't come until there's some action on your behalf. Remember, I said that God's not, the, God's not just going to come over with his wand and, oh, grace, oh, and grace for you. No, it's not like that. I have to take some actions that I may not like, and I might have to sustain those actions for a long period of time before I see the change. What, what, what are those actions? What, what, what is it? Well, we, we, we've gotten the first part, humility. Understanding that I, am, I, can't, I can't change things in my life, and I need God's divine ability to change these things in my life. I need to seek him and ask him, God, what is it? Lord, I am, at, I am totally in your service. What is it that you need me to change? Because the other part, sometimes what happens is we go about facing our problem, and we're expecting the problem to be the thing that needs to be changed. And it's not the problem that needs to change. It's you that needs to change. I have found, I have found in my work as a project manager that whenever I am working with data in Excel, Excel is not the program that needs to change. I am the one that needs to learn more of how to use the program. <laughs> And of course, what do we say? These people that made this, they were only smarter. To, dude, they're so smart, it's not even like funny. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's us that need the change. Sometimes what we need to do is we need to not frustrate the grace of God. Paul talked about this in Galatians. And Galatians was a church where Paul came, Galatia. He planted the church. Things were going good. They started off, believed in Jesus Christ. They were operating faith, faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to do it for us. He comes back and he finds out all of a sudden they're starting to begin this mentality that if they want to serve Jesus Christ, well, they need to do all these different works to obtain it. And in a large sense, Paul was talking to them about their salvation. You're not going to be able to, he's like, you're not going to be able to earn it. You can't earn the good, the, what God has done for you. You can't earn this. You can't start off in faith and think that you're going to perfect it in works by yourself. But I think it applies to the larger scope in our lives of God has given us giftings in our lives. God has given us, some of us, we need to stop looking that the situations and circumstances that we are in in our lives are a curse. It's a gift. Why? Because now I can allow God's grace to work through me to affect the situation. We were just, Amanda and I were just talking, there was a, about everything that's gone on with COVID and we were describing uh, there was something, there's a change in our lives, and we thought, well, I mean, that, was, that was unexpected, and we weren't really happy at the time, but now here, nine months later, you think, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that, that happened. I, I, it would be, wow, I'm glad that happened. And in the meantime, we're praying totally in a different direction whenever we're going through it, but we just, we don't see it the same way. So what, we try, and whenever that happens in our life, what do we try to do? Well, we try to make it all work out. That's not what God wants. It says in Galatians, it actually says, Paul says, you're frustrating God's grace. I don't, he says, I don't frustrate God's grace because I'm not going to try to do it myself. 
what God has given me, I'm not going to try to rearrange his gift of salvation to be something different that fits what I think it should be. And he says, nor should you. He actually says in Galatians 5, 4, he says, you're deprived from all profit from Christ if you're trying to accomplish being justified by the law. You are deprived of all profit. I don't want that. I don't want to be deprived of all the profit that God has for me. You know, Rhonda, I hate to do this for the sake of time. I'm going I'm to jump down to the the, the, the second Corinthians uh, verse there. The one other thing that I want us to do is understand that there's an element of humility, but there's also, sometimes we need to move our goalposts. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the phrase, goalpost moving is the idea that somebody gives you a goal or something that you get to, and then as you get closer to it, that, that moves again, that moves again, it moves again, it moves again, almost creating some kind of an unfair advantage. So I want to give an illustration from Paul. So Paul, who, I mean, if you read the New Testament, all of his, his epistles are just, the guy starts every single one of them off, greeting them in grace. Grace be to you. Paul understood what grace was, God's ability and favor. But Paul also, during his time, whenever he was ministering, and this is the, the, the point of uh, the, the verses where Paul's thorn in the flesh. And I know a lot of people pastors, the ministers, they want to make it that this was some physical ailment. If you read it, I don't understand how you can think that it is. I, I really don't. And people say, oh, it's in, you know, he says in the other book, we see with what large letters I'm writing you. It's like, no, Paul was just putting it in all caps to him. I mean, whenever you want to get something across in an email, you put it in all caps. It's like, you're, look, could you please understand this point right here? But what the situation was, Paul is describing to the Corinthians everything that he's gone through in his life. And if you read just right before this, he's describing stuff that he has gone through for Jesus Christ that is just amazing. What he has put his, himself through. It says, but because of the extraordinary greatness of revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. The one scripture says uh, to buffet me. In if you look at the, the Greek, that word buffet translate as to strike blow after blow. So it's to be hit over and over and over. And if you read the previous chapter, you look at this guy. Every time he went to go hit the preach the gospel, there was somebody, someone or something smacking him right in the face. It says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. I'm going to stop right there. The next thing that Paul says, you will see, Paul moved the goalposts. He recognized, I'm here, God, praying that this problem be removed. I want this problem gone. I'm so sick of every town that I go to, someone's trying to stone me. I'm so sick of false prophets coming behind me to undo all the work that I've done. I'm so sick of every time that I run into the government authorities, I'm afraid that I'm going to be beaten, thrown in jail. I'm tired of whenever I go on ships. I don't want to be shipwrecked. God, help me with this. 
And God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And it was like a light bulb goes off in Paul's head. It's like, whoa, 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 I'm thinking of this all wrong. Here I am, I'm asking for the situation to change. I want the, I want the situation to be different. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to handle these situations with my divine influence and my ability. I can't tell you how many times that I've prayed for situations in my life to change whenever I wish, I, I, I'm sure at some point I'm going to see in the end of it that God wanted me to change, not everything else around me. You know, just a thought, whenever, <laughs> whenever uh, Jesus was born and they were going to Herod, one of the kill all the kids, did God just wipe Herod off the face of the earth? No. What did he tell Mary and Joseph to do? Leave. Sometimes the situation will remain whether we want it to or not, but God will give us ways to handle that situation. So the light bulb goes off for Paul, and I love what he says. It's almost like he, he, he gets it, and he says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in my weaknesses, in the insults, the distresses, the persecutions, the difficulties. There's his thorn. In behalf of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul finally got it. Oh my gosh, Lord, I'm dealing with all these things, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out how I can get around it. Not, what is your power for me to work within it? Oh. And there's some of you that need to get this because your family's, the eternal salvation of your family depends on it. Man. Stop trying to fight. Stop trying to change them. Let God's power move through you. They will die and go to hell if you don't. Change your hearts. God help me with it. His grace is ever present. His grace will give you different ways to think. His grace will give you words to speak. It is God's ability. But if we approach our lives and the things in our lives the same way over and over and over and over and over and over trying to do what we want to do, what we think is right, we will frustrate the grace of God within our lives. We will nullify his power to work within us. And we will come to a state where we are angry with our heavenly father. Because we will say, you did not give us what we thought. And our heavenly father is saying, you haven't even begun to think properly. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's, there's a revelation in here or online for some of you. 
it's going to change the way you think. It's going to change who you think about. You know, as we go ahead and close out here in our last few moments, I wanted to be clear. One, God's grace is available to us through Jesus Christ, and it is not available any other way. No other way. It's available to all of us equally. And it overflows into our lives through Jesus Christ. If we want that grace, we need to humble ourselves and admit to God that, you know what, not only do I need help, but I need to change myself. Maybe you've been praying that things would change in your life, and that's not what God has wanted. He doesn't want the situations to change. He wants you to change because victory is not going to come in your life through a change of the situations. Victory is going to become a change of your heart. Why? Because then you're using God's ability. Then you're operating with his divine influence in your life. Guys, our future, the future of the people that we come in contact with on a daily basis depends on it. Your family needs it. And I'm saying immediate family, extended family, it's broad reaching. I know it's available. I want to humble myself and I want to make sure that I am setting the right measure of victory. God, tell me what that is. So with everyone here today, if you could just for a moment, just close your eyes and bow your heads. Most important thing that we're going to do is we want to offer that initial offering of grace. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you, you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand. You're watching online, maybe that's you just admitting right there by yourself while you're listening. That's me. It's not a hard thing to do. It's not a certain set of words that you say. It's just coming to Jesus Christ and saying, Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. I need you in my life. And whenever you do that, all of his grace is available to you. The position of being at his throne is available to you. I'll take it that we're all born again here. The last thing before we close out, what I want us to do is I want us with our heads bowed, eyes closed, but our minds sharp. Stay with me. Stay with me on this. I want you to think about those situations in your life, those problems that you have, those frustrations, those areas that you know you need something different, those areas where it feels like it's so dry and God is so absent. I want you to think about them again. Now I want you to repeat after me. God, say it like we mean it. Say, God, I know I need help. I know I can't do it myself. I need your grace. I need your direction. 
I humble myself. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Father God, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for the, your grace to be on the lives of people here. Father God, the situations that they've been in their lives, Father God, Lord, the, the problems that they face, whether that's mental, physical, financial, relational, no matter what it is, Father, I am asking for just an outpouring of your grace in their lives. Father, speak to their hearts. Show them how to walk in your grace, what they need to change, and let them know the surpassing greatness of your power that is available to them, your ability that is poured into their life through your grace. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We ask that you would help us walk in your grace daily. In Jesus' name, amen.